There's an old hymn that says, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. How true is that? The grace of God is more powerful, stronger, and more cleansing than even sin itself. Sin can stain you, but grace can cleanse you. Amen? Paul understood the grace of God better when he prayed three times that God would take away the messenger of Satan that kept buffeting him. And God said, no, Paul, my grace is sufficient. How many find his grace sufficient? Amen. The man who was lowered in a bed through the roof experienced grace before he ever experienced healing. Jesus said to him, your sins are forgiven you. Or the woman who fell down at his feet and all the eyes of the people looking at that woman saying, if the Jesus knew what kind of woman this was, she would, he would not allow that woman to touch him. She's unclean. She's ungodly. And Jesus said to the crowd, she, he said, her sins, which were many, they are all forgiven. That's the grace of God. And I think my favorite story about the grace of God is the thief on the cross. It's because of him that I believe in deathbed conversions. On the cross, he hung there. He was not a church-going man. He wasn't a faithful religious follower. He was, a, he was a disobedient thief, a murderer, and he was being punished for his very sins. But on the cross, next to Jesus, he cried out by faith, saying, Remember me in your kingdom. And the grace of God was so powerful that not even death could separate him from Jesus at that moment. And grace should never grow old to you and I, Christian. It should never be something we become used to or, uh, or let it become some old word. Have you ever ate something over and over again that it got old? You ate it so much you were done with it. You're like, I don't have to eat that for, another, for the rest of my life and I would be fine to not eat that the rest of my life. Well, the grace of God should never become old news to you and I. It should never lose its wonderful taste in our heart and life and on our mouth. It should be something that we salivate over when we think about it. That God's grace covers me. His grace covers me. Hebrews 12, 15 says this. Look, I, and I put this on the screen for you. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Look after each other. Look after each other. Make sure that everyone receives the grace of God. Paul, in this text I read to you, repeated twice this one saying, God's grace is greater. God's grace is greater. Twice he said it with just a small little paragraph. The wonderful grace of God is greater than anything this world has brought our way. Better than the sin that came down from Adam that's been passed down generation to generation in the hearts and lives of humanity. God's grace is more powerful than one man's sin. That's a powerful thought. I was at men's breakfast uh, some time ago, and I wrote this down. Brother Chuck shared this, and 
And it was just something that really spoke to me. So I wrote it down and I kept it. And I've said it and quoted it many times. I'm going to say it again. He said this. He said, the mercy of God is this. Mercy is God not giving me what I deserve. What do I deserve? The wrath of a good God. That's what I deserve. I deserve the punishment of hell uh, because of my sin. That's what I deserve. But that mercy of God steps in and he doesn't give me what I deserve. And the grace of God is giving me what I don't deserve. And that is the favor of God on my behalf. That is God's intervention in my life and his favor in my heart. That is the grace of God. It was D.L. Moody. He was preaching his first sermon on grace And he was overwhelmed with excitement because he had come to fully grab and understand how powerful grace was, even in his own life. And on the way, walking to the service that day, he was bumping into people, telling everybody about the grace of God. And and they all looked at him like a quack job, like a nut, like he had lost his mind. But he was just overwhelmed with excitement about the grace of God. And we got up behind the pulpit, and he preached about the grace of God. And the people... In the audience, they were there, but they weren't there. And many of them didn't even respond. At the end of the service, D.L. Moody said, Does anybody want to receive the grace of God? Many of the people got up and walked out, and he thought the service was over, and it was all done. And as he was walking towards the back there, in the back row was a man full of ungodly sins in his life. He had lost his family. He had lost everything to alcoholism. He was back there weeping, and he said, Does the grace of God work for me, sir? And that man gave his heart and life to Christ that day and was forever changed because he encountered this wonderful gift called grace. Amen. The wonderful gift called grace. And grace is greater in its ability to pick people up. Grace is greater in its ability to lift you up out of the pit of your sin and and put you in a different plane to walk with God. Grace is greater. Now, I want to share with you just a few things here, three things that make grace greater. And the first thing is, grace is greater in its application. Grace is greater in its application. And what I mean by that is when grace is applied to your life, it does a better job than anything else you can do. You can clean up yourself, but that don't do it, does it? You could try to... Clean off, your, clean off your heart with going and taking a hot, hot shower, but it ain't going to work. You could try to change yourself by not doing those same things again, and that will su- suffice for just a little while, but it doesn't take care of the stain, does it? It doesn't cure the brokenness in the heart. It doesn't heal the wounds that sin causes because you can quit sinning and you can abandon your sin, but you cannot get rid of those deep scars that sin causes. And so you can try to do something to get it done. You know, we try to follow the law. Well, if we, are, we, are, if we start going to church, then we'll start feeling better about ourselves. No, that's not how it works. Yes, going to church is good. You're here, praise the Lord. I'm glad you're here. You need to be in the house of God. But going to church doesn't save you. I'm going to say that again. Going to church 
doesn't save you, but saved people go to church. Are you following me? Amen? The grace of God applied to your life is not based off something you do. It is a gift of God given to you. You don't earn gifts. Amen? You don't earn them. It's not something you earn. It's given out of love. It's given because there's a desire to express that love. And the grace of God is God's way of expressing His love to you because He loves you. He's given you this glorious gift, and it's called His grace. You don't earn that. Well, if I do enough amens or hallelujahs when he preaches, or if I give enough in the offering, then I'll have it made. No, my dear friend, you will not. Until the grace of God has been received. And the only way you can receive the grace of God is by crying out to the God and repentance, saying, God, forgive me of my sins, and letting the grace of God wash over you and cleanse you of all sins. You know what the law could not do? The law could point out your sin, but it couldn't cure you of it. The law could say, this is where you're wrong, but you couldn't fix you. You just had to keep coming back and trying to get it made right again. You had to keep trying to fix it again. Or you had to do it over again and make a new sacrifice. But can I tell you, there's a sacrifice on the cross of Calvary that is so potent that all you need to do is cry out to the name of Jesus Christ and you will find the grace of God is ready and waiting to wash over you and cleanse you. Oh, you cannot be saved because you come to this church. You are saved because you've asked Jesus in your heart and life. And he has forgiven you of your sins. And I cannot articulate this better than to say, I know that I know that I know that I know I've got it because I felt it cleanse me. And when the grace of God comes over you, it is the, the powerful thing about it is that it's simple. It's simple. That's what's powerful about it. It's not of your doing. Because if you did it, you'd mess it up. It's not something you do. It's something you receive. My wife's birthday and my daughter's birthday was not just a few days ago. And, and I planned a special day for my wife. And I bought several things for her. Some of the things I didn't know if it was going to be nice or not for her. If she would really like it. But... You know how guys are when they go into stores. They're like, what do I do? Um, and that's what I was doing. I bought several things, and, and I wanted to bless her that day. I ordered a special cake. I did all of this not because my wife earned it. I did it because I love her. And I made a special thing. I took the gifts, and I hid them throughout the house. And I, I wrote little uh, riddles on paper, and I made her find the gifts throughout the day. The whole day was dedicated to make her feel special because I love her. Those gifts, when she opened them, she did not, it wasn't because she did something to earn them. No, it was because I loved her. Simple. There was no, no earning involved in it. And the application of receiving is just simply putting it out saying, I'll take it. I'll take it. And that's all it takes for the grace of God. Do you realize that all it takes is your heart to say, yes, Lord, I'll take it. 
I'll take it. I don't deserve it. I don't know why you would give it to somebody like me. But the preacher says that it's mine. Can I please have it for myself? I will gladly receive it. And the only way you can receive it is on your knees in prayer, my dear friend, saying, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. And that's how you receive, my dear friend. That's how you receive. And God's grace is more powerful more powerful in, in its application. It's greater in its application. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he prayed the prayer of forgiveness. And he said, Lord, if there was a sacrifice that I could offer, I would give it. Now, if you go and look at the law of God, David's pointing out a very important truth. There was not a sacrifice he could offer for the sin that he committed. There wasn't one that he could offer. And so David said, so what I'm going to offer up to you is a broken and a contrite heart. I'm going to offer up to you the brokenness of the situation. And I'm going to say to you, Lord, will you cleanse me with hyssop? Will you, will you purify my heart within? And God, he was asking God to, to, to cleanse his heart. And the process of it, he said, I know, God, that a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. And can I tell you that some things we need to, some of the people in the world, what they need to do is come to God in a broken and a contrite contrite heart way when they fall on their knees because they know that where they've been they should not have been that where they have what they've been doing they should not have been doing and they're trying to get away with it without coming to God saying Lord I'm coming to you broken I've messed this one up and I'm telling you the grace of God is so powerful it is so potent that all you have to do is come broken and you and you get up from that altar you will leave whole in your heart and life the moment you ask God to forgive you amen it's getting hot praise the Lord keep fanning I'm feeling it I'm feeling it now listen grace is greater in its application but it is also greater in its power it is greater in its power sin is powerful it gets a hold on you doesn't it if you've ever been bound by sin and, and sin had control of you in some area of your life, you have found in your life times where you couldn't get free or get loose, and it had a control on you. It told you what to do. It told you what to spend money on. It affected the way you lived. It affected the way you walked. It affected the way you talked. Sin is powerful, but the grace of God is even more powerful than sin itself. It breaks the chains of sin. It takes sin and, and tears it apart in a person's heart and, and casts it out of their life. All of a sudden, those who are bound get up and the chains and the shackles fall off of them. And they walk out of the prison in their own heart. It's the most wonderful thing to watch and behold as a pastor. It gives me great joy when I see someone who's been bound for so many years... Get in an altar and say, God, forgive me. And the prison doors begin to shake in their heart and life. And they arise up out of the ashes of their, of their lifestyle. And God begins to take them in a new direction. Because the grace of God is powerful. It will break the sinful chains in your heart and life. Oh, it is powerful. 
And some people have tried to water grace down to say grace is good. It, don't worry. You, you can sin and still have grace. Don't worry. You can just go out. You can sin a little here, a little there. It's no big deal. It's not a problem. You can sin. God don't care. The grace of God covers that. No, my dear friend, the grace of God is not lenience for you to continue to walk in sin. The grace of God is not that way. But the powerful grace of God, I like how John Piper said it. Let me read, him, read you his quote. Grace is not simply lenience when we have sinned. Grace is the enabling gift of God not to sin. Grace is power, not just pardon. Come on, somebody. That's a powerful quote. Amen? It's the enabling gift not to sin. Why? Because His grace empowers me. That's why. How many remember the power of God that came in your life when you asked Him into your heart and life? How much you were changed. How, how it felt in your life. You were one thing, and then you were another thing. And you didn't even know how to describe it other than everything around you was better. The grass was greener. The air was cleaner. Everything made sense all of a sudden. How did you get that? The powerful grace of God is how you got it. Oh, I'm getting shouty. Amen. I apologize. I'm going to run around here in a minute. The grace of God is powerful because it cleanses. It is the scrub brush to our heart. It is the cleansing agent. It is that bleach that makes you white as snow. Come, God said, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as wool. That's the powerful gift of grace. That you get cleansed in your heart. There's no greater feeling. If, you have, if you're not right with God, you're probably miserable right now. And that's not because it's hot in here. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just being miserable because every day is miserable. Because you don't have things right between you and God. And I cannot tell you how wonderful it feels other than to say you got to give it a try. The psalmist said, why don't you taste and see that the Lord is good. Give him a good chance. I promise you, you get a sample of this thing and you'll say, that's what I've been missing this whole time. That's what I've been looking for. I looked for it over in the drug dens. I looked for it on the bar stool. I looked for it in the relationships and I could not find it. And this whole time, it was only on my knees away in a prayer closet to find out that God's grace... That's all you've been missing. It cleanses you, makes you right with God. Oh, that's a good feeling. Doesn't it feel good to be right? Man, I like to be right with God. Have you ever as a Christian felt like you weren't right? Come on, someone, can, I, can it be confession time? Come on, confess. Amen. Confession's good for the soul. I'll put up both. Amen. There are times where I've messed it up, but that's the wonderful grace of God. I have an advocate with the Father, and I could come crying back to Him, and He covers me. The grace of God is powerful in that it motivates you to walk in righteousness. It motivates you. You know how you didn't want to go to church? And now all of a sudden you can't get enough of it. 
You're pushing me to have more services and drag me out and kill me. Right? That, uh, some of you are crazy. Amen. <laughs> crazy fanatics for the Lord. But that's what grace does. It motivates you to want more. Motivates you to do more. Motivates you to, to walk in righteousness that you never wanted to before. I remember my mom used to have to drag me to church. Because I didn't want to be there until the grace of God flooded my heart. I remember on one occasion I got to the church so early that the gates were locked. You couldn't even get into the church. So I hopped the gate. I'm telling you, I couldn't. I just wanted to stand by the door. I wanted to be the first one there. Just wanted to show God that's how much I want to be in his house. That's it. The grace of God motivates you. Puts a fire in your heart. Put zeal in you. Matter of fact, we need more people with the fire of God's grace in their heart. Amen. It's like a man who's been guilty of crimes and deserves to be in prison, but has been pardoned. He finds a new resolve to walk right. Finds a new resolve. The grace of God is greater because it causes us to triumph. I like what Paul said there at the end. It causes you to triumph. Triumph over what? Sin. Sin. It causes you to say no to sin. Where did that power come from? Definitely wasn't internal in you. Because if it was in you, then Jesus would have built on that. But no, it got put in you by the grace of God. He literally made you. The grace of God makes you alive to righteousness. He makes you alive to it, and so all of a sudden you start walking in victory, and you don't even know how to walk in victory. You're just walking there. You're just trying to figure out how to put one foot in front of the other in the spiritual realm of things, and God is taking you to something great. He's causing you to live triumphantly. God's grace is so powerful, it awakens us to the spiritual realm. 2 Corinthians 4.4 says this, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. But the grace of God has, uh, has awakened you, has caused you to see. 1 Corinthians 15.10 says this, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace to me was not without effect. Come on, somebody. How many, how many can say that His grace is not without effect? It has affected my life. It's affected what I sing. It's affected what I see. It's affected where I go. It's affected how, what I, how I live. It's affected who I hang with. It's affected my social gathering. It's, even a folk, uh, it's affected the way I speak to people. How many, the grace of God has affected you that deeply? Amen? It is greater. It is greater. Now let me say this. I've, I've said grace is greater in its application. Grace is greater in its power. But this is one I really want to sink home. Grace, the grace of God is greater in its long suffering. When sin should have been judged, God withholds judgment. And he withholds it due to Jesus' sacrifice. It's God's way of honoring His Son. God honors His Son by not giving you what you deserve at that moment. 
I am so thankful for the long-suffering of God because I have been stubborn time to time, from time to time. And there were times I didn't want to change. There were times I wanted to give somebody a piece of my mind. Let them know exactly what I was thinking. I have many scars on my tongue. Because I can be very short. I have a fuse and I, I try to keep it long. But if you catch me on a bad day, it's real short. Come on, I got a testimony over there. I, I'm not the only one here. Praise the Lord. And if you light that thing, it may blow up real quick. And I have to be very careful not to, not to let my mouth say what I'm thinking. Because some of the things I'm thinking ain't very good. Come on now. Don't act like I'm the only one in this church that acts like that. Don't, don't be all self-righteous out there. I know everyone in here needs the long-suffering grace of God just like I do. But God's grace is so long-suffering that it puts up with me. That baffles me. I was thinking about it today, and I, and I, I kind of compare it to this because it's kind of like a parent has long-suffering when training a child. The grace of God gives God the ability to train you. To develop in you spiritual appetites and desires that were not in you before you came to him. The grace of God gives God that ability to work on you. It allows him to put up with the stink of your life and... Be able to clean you and make you something different. Matter of fact, God is so good, he'll even take the stink to train you. Come on now, that's awesome. Amen? He'll use the stuff you battle to develop you. Because all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. He will take all of that because he knows how to take the stink of your life and whoop you with it. So you know not to do that again. And just like a parent who continually trains. You know how many times I taught my kids how to cross the street? I still teach them how to cross the street. You look both ways. You wait. Don't move. I'd rather you not run across the street and sit on the curb. For an hour until you absolutely know it's clear don't just rush out on one occasion one of my daughters we taught them and taught them but the, she got so excited she saw something across the street and she just took off man and she went right and I couldn't even grab she was so fast I went to grab I didn't get her and mama started screaming and I'm not screaming. I'm yelling, what are you doing? Oh, my gosh. It was a blood-curdling scream and a dear God of heaven, you know, yell. It was like, help, Lord, help. And there was no, thankfully, there was no cars. And our daughter thought we were just so mad at her. We weren't mad at her. We were worried about her. And I tell you that some of you are, you think God is mad at you. 
God isn't mad at you. He's trying to train you. And he's worried about the fact that you, you continually keep running into the street of your life. And he's trying to stop you from doing that. Amen. And so God's grace is long-suffering in that it puts up with you so he can teach you. So he can develop you. It's God's grace that allows God the time to teach you. And it's the grace of God that allows us the time to learn. Are you still learning? You need to, you need to thank God for his grace. Amen. You need to thank God for his grace. The only reason why he ain't thumped you in the head and sent you down to hell is because he's trying to teach you something. Amen. He's developing in you the righteousness of Christ. Amen. <laughs> well, we'll edit that one out of the sermon. Amen. Spurgeon told, uh, told a story of himself that he was riding home after a very heavy day of work. He had been feeling somewhat depressed from the day, felt heavy and weary. When out of nowhere, the scripture just like lightning flashed through his mind, my grace is sufficient for thee. It flooded his thoughts in such a way that he began to even laugh at the day's calamities. He began to think how it should be so natural for the believer to just rest in his grace. He compared it to a little fish worrying while it lived in the river about dying of thirst. The little fish says, I'm so scared. I think I'm going to die of thirst. And the river says, oh, don't you worry. I've got plenty flowing down your way. He compared it to uh, a man on the mountaintop standing on a mountain going, oh, I'm so afraid that I may not have oxygen. And the earth simply says, oh, I've got plenty of oxygen to give. Don't worry. And he says, he says this, this is the grace of God. It is so sufficient that it keeps flowing your way. That it keeps providing what you need. It never, ever comes short. Are you hearing me? It never, ever comes short. You will never find the grace of God empty. The barrel will never run dry. So feast and drink. Because Christian, you have access now. Not because of you, but because God has given you the greatest gift. And that is his grace. Amen. Would you stand with me tonight?